0: I want to start with a story with you guys. And as I was looking at this text this week, I was kind of trying to, and as you do this, if you ever uh, jumped and done a speech at school or if you've ever preached a sermon or taught anything anywhere, it's helpful to try and step into the moment, right? And say, okay, what was the perspective of the main characters of the story as you begin to try and share this? And so as we did this this week, I tried to step into the shoes of our main character of our story today. And, uh, And I want to share kind of that story from his perspective. Actually, that's not right, from my perspective about what he's thinking, potentially. And so I want you to think back, okay? It's a beautiful city. All of a sudden, the king steps out onto his terrace, and he looks over this city, and, and he sees as the sun begins to set, just these beautiful purples and yellows and reds and pinks and these vibrant colors strewn across the sky, right? We've, we've been there, right? We live in a beautiful city. You see it come down. I want you to picture it through his eyes as he looks over his terrace, over his city, as the city gleams from the sun setting. It's brighter than it's ever been What fills his ears is is the laughter of children running through the city. He hears music, harp playing, things like that. It's just this beautiful scene. And then he looks off into the distance, and he sees this hill after hill after hill. And in that split moment, he's taken back, and he begins to reminisce. Now he's just a boy, 10 years old, and he's out on a routine checkup that his father has given him to do every evening the only thing that's lighting up the pasture is the beautiful moon's glow as it reflects the sun and illuminates everything below. And he steps out and he does his check and yeah, the the sheep are just fine. They're grazing, they're doing their thing, they're doing what sheep do. He says, okay, it's been a long day, I'm going to I'm going to have a lay down. So he finds this this nice bed of grass and he just lays down. He reminisces on his day. But then in a moment he looks up to the heavens and and he sees rows and columns and layer upon layer upon layer of beautiful, magnificent stars with whom whom God has placed in the sky. And he begins to just wonder, who made all this? Where did this come from? As he, as he thinks about this, out of the corner of his eye, he sees the haze of the Milky Way and shooting through it, multiple stars is glimmering across the sky. God is painting again. He snaps back out of it and he finds himself on his terrace once again. And he begins to think about his life. Since that shepherd boy has now become a king, and every time he has seen now that the one whom, with whom he asked Who made all this is now his Lord and his Savior. It is his God. And he begins to wonder, how is it possible that you know me? How is it possible that you think of me? How is it possible that you engage with me? And then he goes on and he just lives his life as the king of Israel. King David writes this psalm, I imagine, after a scene like that. I I imagine that King David, as he penned Psalm 19, had just reminisced about the beauty and the glory and the majesty of God. Now, Now, sitting here in the Orpheum, it's not quite as easy, but we live in a beautiful place. If you've been to the Grand Canyon, right, you drive up and all of a sudden you arrive at the edge and your breath is just taken from you from the sheer magnitude and beauty of that which is the Grand Canyon. And I think when we've had that type of inspiration, we can come and we can read or write, rather, this type of song that we'll study today. I bring up this story because I want us to step into the reality that is God has created everything we see and know. And I think we act as if that's not true. Today's sermon is going to be about God's revelation and our response to that revelation. And he does it in two different ways. We call it general revelation and special revelation. General revelation means it's just the natural order. It's when you look out, you see natural things that testify to the beauty and the majesty and the power of God. But then there's special revelation, which is supernatural. It's when God intervenes. It's Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. It's the Savior present. It's the Bible. It's scripture. It's prophecy. Special revelation. And we're going to see both here, I think, in this text. And the idea for us and the idea for David is, I will herald these things, but I don't herald them for just the sake of heralding. I herald them for the sake of my heart that longs to live in obedience to the one who has created it all. If we just stop here, then we've missed the other half of the equation, which calls us to be his obedient children. It's a general and special revelation. So maybe some of you guys can think back, right, to the first time that you realized God loved you or knew you or cared about you or created anything you've ever seen. Uh, Maybe some of you, maybe if you don't know God yet, right, maybe you think through, man, I, I remember the first time my spouse... Uh, When when I first met her, I knew the feelings that she had for me when I knew who she was. Or maybe you think of your significant other, or your children, or your family, or your best friend, or your roommate, or whatever. The first moment you realize, well, there's this engagement. They they seem to like me at some level. I remember the first time that uh, I finally realized that Verdi, my wife, uh, was, uh, as my friend says, digging my stees. right, Um, was just into this. And uh, it took a while. And... um, I remember what it was, is I, I, was, I was kind of slowly pursuing her, right, as you, as you do in relationships because you're kind of nervous, like, hey, I don't know if she likes me yet, and so let me kind of feel this out, um, and the more I tried to feel it out, the less interested she seemed to be, right? So, so I would, you know, I'm just crushing it, spitting bad game, and, uh, and she's just aloof, right? Just, yeah, used to this, I'm amazing, you know, and... And I remember thinking, I was like, you know, I gotta give this one final push. So after church one night, we go to a Mexican restaurant, and uh, we're all arrayed, and everyone's sitting down, and I, you know, found my way to sit directly across from her, just very sly, you know? She didn't know what was going on. And, uh, and I'm just, again, I'm just going after it, right? And I'm charming and, and, and handsome, and just so, you know, it's great. And I finally, uh, I'm doing all this stuff, and she just seems more carefree about the whole situation than ever before. And I'm beginning to think, this isn't going to happen. And then I say, you know what, last-ditch last effort. Hey, do you want to go for a walk? And so we go, we go for a walk. And, and we walk outside, and, and right next to this Mexican restaurant uh, was like a Walmart or some type of supermarket, and there was this shopping cart, and I see it off in the distance. I don't think anything of it, but we're walking along, and I'm trying to talk to her, and she's kind of ignoring me, and it's weird, and I don't think it's going to work out. And then she says, hey, will you push me in this shopping cart? And I say to myself, like, That's flirting. And this glimmer of hope, right, begins to just flutter in my heart. I said, absolutely. So we, I put her in the shopping cart, and, and we're just wheeling around, running her like she's a little child. She's up front like this, you know, don't let go, Jack. And it's just this, um, you know, it's just this amazing experience. And I'm like, wow, she's loving this. And so I was like, I'm going to go the next step. And so I find another shopping cart, and I get in it, right? And then I take our two shopping carts, and I face them towards each other. And it begins to slowly drizzle as the lamps from the Walmart are causing this neat glimmer to shine upon her beautiful face, right? Okay. And I just put it out there. I say, listen, here's the deal. I'm super into you, you know. Like, I, I think you're incredible. I, I like you. And she says, I like you too. And here's why I bring up that story, okay? There was something revealed in that moment, right? that caused me in an instant to pursue her with greater vigor than I had ever pursued her before. That caused me to have a desire for her greater than any desire I had had for her before. It caused for me to have a joy in who she was greater than I had ever had before because I realized the affections that she now had for me. General revelation, special revelation, the idea is that God would make himself known to you and I that we would understand the God of the universe, the one who made everything you know and see and think about, loves you and created you to be his. What an insane idea. The creator of the universe wants to know you. The creator, he likes you. And what he is doing every day when you walk outside and you see, uh, when you see the sun illuminates life here on earth, he is telling you more about himself and more about his affections for you. At, when you go to bed at night or when, you, when, night, when the sun sets and you see the stars, you learn things about him, and that's what we'll talk about today, so that we respond to him, so that we pursue him more than ever, so that we make him known more than ever, so that we desire and love and cherish him more than ever. This is what I think David is experiencing over and over and over again, is in the same way that daily Verity shows me somehow she loves me. It just reinvigorates my desire to make her the best and most happiest wife that she could be. Now, I fail all the time, but it does something in my soul, and that is my desire for us this morning is that we'd be so captivated by these words from David as I think he gazed upon the same skies that we gaze upon. He looked upon the same creation that we look upon, and he wrote this. Will we write the same thing, not just in word, but in the way we live our lives? Okay. That's my desire for us this morning. So let's read verse 1 and 2. Psalm 19. Sorry if you haven't turned there yet, my bad. Psalm 19. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, we'll have some people bring down a Bible if you want to follow along. The, the words will be up on the screen, uh, so if, if you just hate Bibles, then, then that's fine. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So this is that, that first half. this general revelation, wordless revelation. There's nothing being spoken, it's just you walk outside during the day, and day to day it is speaking to us his glory, his goodness, his love, his power. See, when it says skies, when it declares the heavens, it's not just talking about what's up there. Picture a bubble, if you will, and it's everything underneath that bubble, which is being held in by our sky, the heavens as they hold in. So all of creation. So day to day, it pours out speech. So I think what happens is when the sun comes up, it illuminates this world. And you begin to see God's apex of creation, which is humanity. And you look at one another, and we learn things about the character of God. We learn things about the beauty of God as we look and stare upon the mountains that he has created, upon the things like the Grand Canyon. remember the first time, we were in South America, and um, it was the only time, so not just the first time, the first and last time that I saw Machu Picchu in Peru. And we got up early in the morning before the sun had risen, and all of a sudden, over the Andes, the sun comes up and illuminates this wonder of the world. And I was just floored. Not at the ingenuity and amazing giftedness of the Mayan people, although that are Incan people. Dang it, I should have looked it up. Incan, Incan people, yep, Incan people. I, I didn't think about them, I thought about God. Look at what you've created, you look around and it's just mountain upon mountain upon mountain just surrounding this thing. And then you begin to think, man, how did he make a people that could find a way to carry this size block all the way up this thing? To build the most magnificent structure I've ever seen. God. So, so day to day, it's pouring out speech, testifying to his power, to his ingenuity, to his beauty, to his creativity, on and on and on. Night to night, it reveals knowledge. And I think very specifically, it reveals this, right? When the sun goes down, we begin to realize that earth is not just it, right? That, that, that God is much bigger than just this little ball, And much bigger than just you or I, that when we gaze off into the expanse that is the universe and we see row and column of stars, layer upon layer, we see other universes, other galaxies. And then we think and remember that the Bible tells us that God holds all this in the palm of his hand. So we are are floored by this reality that the creator of the universe is one that as we look to the skies, we see the expense, we see his power, his scope, his magnitude, his giftedness, on and on and on. Every day that you or I have breath to breathe and life to live on this earth, we should be the receivers of God's beautiful revelation to us. Yet we walk around, and I still think that we live like people that think we're still in that Mexican restaurant. That God hasn't really said too much. Like, okay, God, God yeah, you saved me. And so I do believe, I, I believe the cross. I believe that happened. And so, yeah, that, that saved me. And so I'm just going to live in that past moment and how you changed me on a dime however many months, years, decades ago. But that's not the God of Scripture who says that every day he wants to know you more. That says every day he wants to reveal more of himself that you would know him, love him, and obey him. Yet we live like we're still in the Mexican restaurant. We're still kind of like, do you really love me? What more need the creator of the universe do? Now, he, he didn't have to give us this next step of special revelation, but he did. We'll talk about that in just a moment, okay? Um, verse three, Let's keep going. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So God's glory and revelation, God's communication to the world, goes everywhere. It is not just reduced to your life. It's not just reduced to the lives of the people in this room, in this city, in this country, and in this world. That God's glory pours forth to all mankind. That when they look to the heavens, they would see there's something else going on here. Now, we've ascribed other idols and things to explain these things. Because we certainly, right, it can't be an omnipotent, perfect God who loves the world and created us to be in it. No, it's got to be this thing, because science kind of not really proves it, or it's got to be this thing over here, or on and on and on. Um, I don't know if people watch the, uh, the show Cosmos, you have seen this? Uh, the host's name is Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, it's actually a brilliant show, and, and I highly recommend you watch it, um, and it just explores the universe, and says, man, this is this, and they're often trying to get into the origin of different things, and on and on and on, but he had this quote recently that I want to share with you. And uh, it was in an interview, and he said this, it is easy for me to imagine, okay, again, this guy, agnostic, atheist, kind of somewhere in there, right, it is easy for me to imagine that everything in our lives is just the creation of some other entity for their entertainment. I'm saying the day that we learn that is true, I will be the only one in the room saying I'm not surprised. Okay. Let me read it one more time, Ready? It is easy for me, an agnostic person, right, to imagine that everything in our lives is just a creation of some other entity for their entertainment. I'm saying the day we learn that is true, I will be the only one in the room saying I'm not surprised. So you have this agnostic who's all of a sudden standing on his pious throne that says, Okay, if we do ever find out that there's this omnipotent creator outside that did something for his purpose, I'm going to be the only one standing in the room saying I told you so. No, sir. This has been our story, the story of God, the gospel story, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And the arrogance of this guy to say that is untrue, while in the same breath, saying, I'll be the one that will call it. Come on, man. This is our story. This is what the Bible starts with. In the beginning, God created we hold, listen, and by we, I mean the church, God, the people of God, because of his grace, we hold the true story of the world. Sorry, Neil. We've had this for a while. Paul in the New Testament affirms this idea. Affirms this idea that, that it's on us, right? Because God has made himself known to the world. Romans 1.19 says, for what could be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Okay. So, so constantly our cultures want to, they want to they want to work it in there. It, it can't be God. It can't be the, ah. And so they come up with other ways to ascribe the beauty of this world. And, and listen, I'm just telling you right now, for thousands of years, we've been saying the same thing over and over and over. It's the God of the Bible who did it. And that guy knows you and loves you and is going to show and reveal himself in an even greater way than any mountain could ever testify to, than any rock could have. in fact, he's the rock that testifies to how true this is for us.
1: Now, some of you, just because there might be some skeptics in
0: the room and, and you're just saying to yourself, well, yeah, but, but why not chance? Why couldn't it just be chance? And, and, and I get that. There's a lot of debate and all that stuff, and maybe this just kind of fell into place and yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... I've done a lot of research on this stuff, and I, you know, I'm an expert now, and so I, uh, I'm going to read a quote. And uh, it's John Lennox, who's the Oxford professor of mathematics, a uh, brilliant man, and he's quoting uh, another uh, Oxford professor, a mathematical physicist named Roger Penrose, and he's, he's quoting him, and he says this, and I don't want you guys to follow along, okay? He says, try to imagine phase space, you're like, of course, of the entire universe, each point in this phase space represents a different possible way that the universe might have started off. Okay? We are to picture the creator armed with a pin, which is to be placed at some point in phase space. Each different positioning of the pin provides a different universe. Now, the accuracy that is needed for the creator's aim depends on the entropy of the universe that is thereby created. It would be relatively easy to produce a high entropy universe, of course. Since then, there would be a large volume of the phase space available for the pin to hit But in order to start off the universe in a state of low entropy, so that there will be indeed a second law of thermodynamics, no kidding, the creator must aim for a much tinier volume of phase space. How tiny would this region be? In order that a universe closely resembling the one in which we actually live would be a result. His calculations led him to the remarkable conclusion that the creator's aim must have been accurate to the one part in the 10 to the power of the 10 to the power of the 123, that is one followed by 10 to the 123rd power zero. So we're good? In other words, hear me, in other words, when you walk out these doors today, worship God. In, in other words, when you leave today, when, when, when the sun sets tonight, worship God. When, when you look at your neighbor right now and you see the beautiful creation that he or she is, worship God. Because he is the founder, the author, the perfecter, the creator of it all. That's what that means. I I I was like Googling words. I was going to try and explain that, and it is ridiculous. What I know it means for me is I need to worship God. I mean, I need to celebrate him. I need to herald him. I need to make much of him. I need to just be on my knees. I need to sing louder than I've ever sung before, pray harder than I've ever prayed before, and serve better than I've ever served before. Because that's true. Okay? And so let's keep going. Now we look into this special revelation piece. He didn't just stop with giving us the beauty of this world. He then said, all right, I'm going I'm to hone in on you guys. All right? If this isn't enough, let, let me come with something even better, more specific, more special. In verse 7 it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the rules of the Lord are true and righteous, all. Together, so so he's just. This is a a kind of a wide swath. Okay, God, this is who you are. This is the special revelation to us that you have stepped in and you've given us these things. And so I'm going to go kind of just go super Hebrew here on you and uh, and just break down some nouns. Okay, so we have uh, the word Lord, and here's what I love: the Lord is used seven times in this moment. So again, this this honing in where I was only used once in the first half of the song. And it was used different words. So Lord in the first half is the word El, which is just means the strong one, and is a very general name for God in the Old Testament. Then you focus on the, on the seven times the word Lord is used in this special revelation piece, as we call it, and it's the word Yudhe Vavhe or Yahweh as we call it now. The name that cannot even be pronounced because he has no name. It just means I It is the most intimate name given to God in the Old Testament, and it is ascribed to him seven times, showing he is intimately part of this world. He has come, we'll talk about Christ in just a moment. I love that, Lord Yahweh. The next word, law, is the Torah, which is just a comprehensive term for God's revealed Will. Now, specifically, the first five books of the Bible, the law, Torah, but it is God's comprehensive will given to the Old Testament people of God and to us and to the world at some degree. As people said, this is, this is the God that you are to worship, to know. Okay, uh, on testimony is the word eduth, which, uh, which is what God deems to be true. The testimony of God, what God calls true is True, precepts and commands, God's precise demands, both the heart and the mind. Fear, yira, reverence leading to right response and rules, mishpatim, God's righteous judgments. So, so all of these things, and what does it say about the character and the revelation of God to us? It says that they are reviving, sure, right, pure, without blemish, true and righteous, which is an incredible contrast to every idol that tries to sway you today. Which will do nothing but destroy you. It will cause division in your relationships, not just with God but with each other. There is nothing. There is no purity. It's not cleansing us. No, it's 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 causing us to be dirtier. It, it, it doesn't uh, move us towards Him. It pushes us away from Him. It's destructive. The idols of this world overpromise and underdeliver. God just promises and he delivers. That's it. God promises and then he delivers on every promise. Most and a lot he already has. And there's a big one that's coming. Okay. And this God who has revealed himself to us, through his word, through his law, through what he commands to us, to what he calls true, to the things he spoke into existence, he knows you. And he wants you to know him more and more every day. If you're here in a non-Christian or you don't believe or you showed up today not believing, you're like, I don't know if that that fairy tale stuff's not for me. Listen, he is calling and speaking to you and he has been since you were born through the things that you can see and now through specialties. He's communicating, know me. I'm revealing my, just know me, call me, trust in me, love me. I've done this for you. For us Christians, it, it's daily. Learn more, know more, grow, understand deeper things about God. If you're not, and man, pursue him, desire him, and it will grow perpetually, okay? Um, and here's, here's the gospel piece for us, right? So in, in John uh, eight fifty eight, New Testament, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, okay? Jesus Christ says, before there was Abraham, I am. So before there was Abraham, the, the Old Testament prophet with whom you all look to, talking to the Jewish people, he says, before Abraham, before your main guy, I am, and he takes on the same name there in, in, in the New Testament as being ascribed to Yahweh, yud heh in the Old Testament. And so now what we can do is we can say, okay, Jesus, let, let's put you back into our text." So now Jesus fulfills the law, which is revealed perfectly. Jesus' testimony, his life, his death, and his resurrection are perfectly true and good. Jesus' commands to follow and obey, to love God and love neighbor are faithful and good. Jesus' reverence to worship him alone. Jesus' judgment that sin must be destroyed and every ounce of it was destroyed with his death. He is reviving, sure, right, pure, without blemish, true and righteous. So, so Psalm 19, then we read, even as David, as he writes this, I, I think he's, I mean, he did not know that Jesus would come on the scene and say the words he said, but we do. And so we can look back on this song and realize that as we sing it, as we read it, as we preach it, as we try and live it, we are celebrating the fact that Jesus is God. That he has been revealed to us today so that we can look back 2,000 years ago and say, you did it all. Everything that I wanted to try and do, every time I tried to be good enough, I tried to prove myself, whether it be to man or to you, Jesus took that and did it for you. He always says, Jesus died the death that you and I deserve to die. He lived the life we could not live, and then he rose on the third day to give us new life. And that Savior wants to constantly reveal Himself to you. I don't know why. Other than He is good. And He's faithful. And He's true. I know my faults. I know some of my faults. I learn more every day. I don't get what the Creator of the universe Didn't just create everything and say, that should be enough. But he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to knock your socks off, man. I'm going to do what you could never do. I'm going to set you free from your own silly brokenness. That you would know me and there would be no more obstacle between you and I. The veil is fully torn. Christ died when he breathed his last and said, it's finished the veil which used to keep God from man was gone. And the access was complete. God's special revelation revealing himself to the world and now the gift when we believe is not just his presence in our mind or in our heart we know and love, it's that he actually lives here. Like he's actually living inside those who call on the name of Christ. And so now we have a we have a shot at actually living in the response that will land with right now that David has for us. First ten. It's more to be desired than they are uh, are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare to me declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servants also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God's revelation to us demands and commands a response. Right? It comes and then the recipient has to do something with it. So what do we do? I think David paints a great picture for us. Verse ten, desire God's revelation. Do you desire? Shoot, man, more Jesus, right? More of you. Revere yourself more to me. Seek Him. This means, man, open up your Bibles. Read about the Lord. Learn what He's done. Pray to the Creator of the universe. I don't know why, but for some reason, He wants you to do that, and He wants me to do that. To talk to Him. Get to know him better. Do you desire God's revelation? Verse eleven, James one twenty two says, "Be not hearers of the word but doers." Right there, there's great reward coming for those who are, are obeying us. I don't even know what that means, other than you're going to heaven if you love him. Right. Verse twelve, ask God to expose our sin and blind spots by trusting in the cross. If the cross has fully justified you, you need not worry about being exposed before the people around you. Verse 13, hate sin, do not sin, and don't be ruled by sin, but rather long for righteousness. Verse 14, everything you do, use it as an opportunity to glorify God in heaven. Like everything you do. This is, we have a statement here, all of life is all for Jesus. There is nothing that you do that God does not care about. Sunday mornings are not more special than Monday at four o'clock when you're looking at four more days of work. It is the exact same. God wants all of your heart all the time that everything you do glorifies him. He gives sacredness to everything we do. We, might, we think it's mundane. No, no, he cherishes it all and uses it all for his glory. And then 14b, and this is where I land. Praise him, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. At the end of the day, in the midst of all the response, in light of all of the revelation, just praise Jesus. Just praise God. Just praise the Holy Spirit. Sing, dance. I don't care what you do. but we, we have to say find what stirs your affections for God and do it as often as you can. Because we're all different people in here, so there's things that connect you with the heart of God that won't connect me in any possible way. But whatever it is that for you, it stirs your affections for Jesus, find it and do it over and over and over again. And when that gets boring, that doesn't work anymore, find the next thing and do that over and over. And worship Jesus. Thank Jesus. Praise him because he is our rock and our redeemer. And he knows full well. We're going to botch up the response every day until the day that we leave here to be with him glorified forever. And so praise him because he prepared a way that even in the midst of our stupidity and brokenness, he still says, you're mine. That is good news for us because the God of the universe who revealed himself in the stars and in the heavens and in the creation below and gave us Jesus Christ and gave us the gospel to say, all right, man, You don't need to play the rat race anymore. I love you. You're mine. If you didn't think it and know it enough because of what I did up there, now feel it in here. And the gospel sets us free to now worship and glorify him in everything we do. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I... uh, Take a moment, God, just to confess to you, God, my own, um, it's my own brokenness, God, in the ways that I, uh, I still feel that we're uh, we're we having a burrito together in a Mexican restaurant, God, and and you haven't done enough for me, God, and I don't think I would ever. Um, cognitively tell you that or think that but God I think often my life and my actions the way I treat people the way I get defensive and prideful the way I get uh, over proud in my own capability God it just denotes just a lack of understanding of you and I'm sorry God I just pray for all of us that we would pursue you with greater vigor than we've ever pursued you before that we'd love you, desire you, start to get to know you, have you know us, to be engaged with your mission together as you lead us. Would you do that for us, Lord? And I, I think it's just by constantly revealing yourself to us. We know that you do it. So God, we pray against the things that block us from seeing that well. And God, ask that you would just lead us through those valleys. God, would you just be ever present here this morning And reveal yourself to us, know us, incline our hearts to you, give us ears to hear and eyes to see your majesty, your beauty, your power, and most importantly, the presence of you in our lives. Lastly, just lift up all those that that are here today that, um, God, they just, uh, and they don't know you, or they're just getting to know you, or there's there's just somewhere in that, that nebulous moment. God, that you would reveal yourself in power right now, Jesus. Would you come expose yourself to the world and to everyone in here who does not know you yet and lead them in the way everlasting. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Bless us now as we respond in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.